Welcome to Classic 4x4, the podcast for and by classic four-wheel drive enthusiasts. I'm your host, Chris Piccone, and you can follow the podcast on Instagram at classic4x4podcast. And you could follow my trials, tribulations, and antics of collecting and restoring classic four-wheel drives at Overland by the Sea. The first car was that 95 Jeep Wrangler YJ SE model, aqua metallic, five-speed manual. It was pure, unadulterated freedom. Well, here we are. The last episode, the 12th episode of Classic 4x4 Podcast's second season. We made it through another season altogether. I can't thank our listeners enough, our supporters, our guests, and, and everybody that's been behind us at the Classic 4x4 Podcast. It's helped us make it such a great success. So as everybody knows, we started off this season with the most requested topic, which was Toyota FJs, Land Cruisers, whatever you want to call them. So uh, I got a ton of requests from listeners wanting to hear about Toyota FJs, Land Cruisers, and Toyotas in general. So we had Nelson Kaye from the FJ Company join us for our first episode. That is not only our top downloaded episode for season two, but it's one of our top three downloaded episodes in the podcast's whole two seasons of history. But I figured we'd also end the uh, season with another top request from our listeners. And when I decided that, when I was scheduling out all these episodes for this season, I went back and forth with that request a lot. And uh, I'm going to talk a little bit more about that. But the second season, we not only had listener requests, we talked a lot about community, the importance of community in the classic 4x4 and truck realms. And also a lot about technology, you know, EVs, products, stuff like that. Our first season was just kind of me scheduling guests and seeing where it went. Our second season was some listener requests, a lot about community, a lot about technology, products. And and I think our third season, uh, here's a little teaser, is going to be a lot of listener requests, not only topics, but also guests. So for all you out there that that want to uh, hear hear about a specific topic, want to hear from a specific guest, check us out on Instagram, send me a DM, go to our website, classic4x4.com, use the contact form to put those requests in. I welcome them. I appreciate them. But back to uh, today's episode. The second top request that I got from listeners was a little odd. I th- I personally thought it was a little odd, but, and, and why I was hesitant to even do an episode on this topic is I got a lot of requests from listeners that wanted to know more about me. I don't know why I, I'm, I, you know, am I interesting? I don't know. I talk a little bit about myself on the podcast, some of my cars, a little bit of my background, but it's all about, you know, the guests, what they bring to the table and the listeners enjoying our interviews. I went back and forth a couple times on this and and I scheduled a guest for the 12th episode, you know, to talk about something different. And then I woke up one day and I, I said to myself, like, who am I to not give the listeners what they want? So I reached out to a few different people on, and had some ideas for a podcast where I got interviewed. So you guys can you hear a little bit more about me. I'm not sure how interesting it's going to be, but hey, I'll do it because that's what you guys want to hear about. And in the end, I jived really well with our friend Brian Ellis from 
4B Exchange, who's one of the co-founders on the 4B Exchange. They have been uh, on the podcast before, and Brian's just very dynamic. So uh, we gelled really well on the idea for how to interview me. So uh, without further ado, I want to welcome today's host, because technically I'm the guest, Brian Ellis, co-founder at 4B Exchange. What's going on, Brian? All right. What's up, Chris? How you doing, man? Thanks for yeah, being here. I'm well. Yeah, yeah, right. It's crazy to think you're thanking me for being here. It's so weird being the guest, right? Hey, <laughs> I think interview. you're underselling yourself. You have got a great story, great background, and I'm excited to have some uh, unfettered access to get into it with you today. So uh, tell us a little bit what's going on for B Exchange. I know you guys have that amazing classified platform for yep. you know classic, unique trucks and four by fours. You launched that auction platform with a Max Lighter Bronco, right? Yeah. Did and for your first auction, that was, that was I got to tell you, man, that was like a very big feat to launch yeah. a first auction with a Max Lighter Bronco, no reserve, no reserve. No things, yeah. dude, big big dollars, and man. You you pulled a big dollar sale for your first auction. I follow your auctions. I, you know, you have some really cool stuff. I love, you know, you're not flooding the world. You know, you're, you're really bringing cool stuff to the platform. So what else is going on over at 4B Exchange? Thanks, man. Yeah, no, it's it's been a blast. That that Max Letter Bronco really kicked off a lot of fun for us. Uh, I won't lie, it kept me up a little bit at night to see where those bids were going to come in. But look, we had some great partners. Max Letter was phenomenal. Tread Lightly is phenomenal as an organization, and uh, just had a lot of fun working through it. But you know, as you said, we're we've launched auctions. We have that capability, and we're just going to continue to grow the tech behind it. Uh, similarly, with the classified, we just. We love the cadence and the pace and want to just enrich that experience for buyers and sellers and give them something a little bit different. Uh, so a lot of really fun, interesting things going to be rolling out over the next couple of months. Just a little bit more of an intuitive process for, for submitting and for listing and for browsing and finding and sorting. So, it, you know, the things that you'd come to expect. But uh, we really appreciate you being along for the ride. And we, we've had a lot of fun learning along the way, right? Like last year was absolutely wild. And we had a great time uh, on the podcast talking a little bit about that. Uh, it kind of made me smile. You, you, you had Perkins on the other day and uh, we're talking about, you finally found a Mitsubishi person. Uh, <laughs> that was absolutely wild as a follow-up to some of the uh, Pajero uh, uh, trends from last year, which has you know, just been a lot of fun. So we've just learned a ton and just as you have, you know, been connected with some really fun and interesting people along the way, including yourself, uh, which was almost, I think this time last year, we had the, uh, the CJ five a for sale. You reached out. I was just hustling upstairs on my computer. I forget what I was working on, but we were just, uh, you know, I saw the inbound request two minutes later, I was on the phone with you 20 minutes later, I was off and I was like, that guy is the man like this. This guy's just a lot of fun. But I know you had that CJ5A. Was that your first project? Was that your first like real, I don't want to call it a flip, but was it your first real, you know, rebuild and kind of refresh of a, of a car that you were intending to get out uh, back to a new care holder? So that CJ5A was more of like a passion project because it was rare. Believe it or not, my first restoration I ever did was... The first classic I ever bought, which I actually still have today, I talk about it on the podcast all the time, which is that 81 Omaha yeah. Orange CJ7. That was the first one I ever did. And I did yeah. that in, man, 
man, it was like 2010. That was the first one I ever did. And it just, I always wanted an orange CJ7. The market was, you know, there was really no value to them out there. You know, it. So I picked that up from a guy in, in Indiana, believe it or not. I'm, I'm the third owner. It was wow. down in North Carolina for the first 30 years or 20 years. And then it went up to Indiana, guy babied it. And then I ended up with it. So that was the first one I did. And all these ones I do, they're for my collection. Yes, I move them on down the line, but they're for me. Like I I build them the way I want them for my own personal collection. And like what happens is I'm just like a big little kid, right? <laughs> so like I have my my warehouse, the jam pad, like where I, I yeah. have. And what happens is like you can only drive so many cars at once which is one car, right? Or one truck, right? right? So like what happens is I put all this like love into restoring them, making them and building them the way that I want. And then I play with them. And then like, I just throw them in the toy box and I have like a new toy, right? Yeah. And I stop playing with it and I feel bad. Like I feel guilty because when I yeah. stop playing with them, like they just sit there. I start them up. I drive them around yeah. every once in a while, but like, I just... Like in the CJ5A, like that came from somebody I knew who had given it a lot of love mechanically, which is Jason Miller, who we had actually on the podcast season two. We talked about that. That was just very rare. Yeah. And that was like a bucket list, you know, a, a CJ5A Tuxedo Park Mark IV. Yeah. It, if you know Jeeps, it's just very rare. Yeah. There aren't a lot out there. And the ones that are out there aren't complete. This one was complete. It was mechanically restored from top to bottom. It just needed the cosmetic piece of it. Yeah. But the other driving factor, to which is how we cross paths, to move that on down the line and sell it, was it had the very rare 70-30 bench seat in it. Mm. And if anybody has ever been in a short wheel, you know, CJ5, it's a short wheelbase. Uh, and the early CJ5s, they just have a straight, hard steering column, right? Okay. So, and they have a huge steering wheel on them. And yeah. when I redid that bench, um, though it slides forward and back, my upholsters bolstered up the bench a little bit with foam instead of having the, the springs, the original factory springs. Nice. And when I got in it, I didn't fit that well at all right you know i'll be i'll admit it i'll own up to it that steering wheel like it rubbed my belly like you know? yeah. <laughs> yeah like when i pulled the clutch my left foot up you know the clutch foot like it hit you know the steering column like it was it, i just didn't fit that well in it so yeah. i was so excited the build was awesome it was a ton of fun yeah. i drove it around you know sporadically for a couple months but i just you couldn't take it long right. distances it just I wasn't using it that much. It was more of a passion project. So uh, it's actually out in Iowa now uh, nice. in, a, in a lake community in Iowa. A guy in Iowa yeah. bought it. Uh, and that also I learned a, an interesting lesson with that particular uh, Jeep. Rarity does not equal value. Well said. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it's like I thought, oh, man, like people are going to be clamoring for this thing. A fully restored, beautiful CJ5A Tuxedo Park, you know, Mark Four. you know, there, this is one of like 1700 ever built. I mean, it was like very rare. And I got to tell you, when I, we put that out on the market, nobody cared. Like nobody even knew what it was. Like when I was, when yeah. people were asking me, like, that thing is really cool. Like yeah. that thing is super cool. Like, and, yeah. and I tell them like, well, it, it's super rare. And they'd be like, 
Ah, okay, cool. But like that thing looks really cool. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. Know? That's okay. what ended up selling it was just the the build quality yeah. and and the the appointments and you know the the things that I did yeah. to it cosmetically. Nobody cared that it was a, a no. tuxedo park. <laughs> yeah, like a like a ranchero ranchero Rio Grande, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> nobody <laughs> nobody cares about a Ford Ranchero, let alone uh, a Rio Grande. <laughs> you know, they have eyes. But no, I think, I think you hit on something really important. And, uh, you know, earlier on you were talking about community and I want to talk a little bit more in a bit about, uh, the community that you fostered there on, on the seashore, you know, you've, you've built a really interesting and brought a lot of interesting light to that New Jersey shore, uh, community of, uh, craftsmen and enthusiasts like Perkins and evolution auto and your upholstery guys. Like you just have created a really interesting community that supported that. And it's, you know, you, you mentioned the, the components of the CJ and how it's mechanically ready to go. You know, if you needed a little bit of love and maintenance, you know, you, you, you can perform that easily, but it's your value add is really bringing that cosmetic, that, that look and that feel, to these cars in a really interesting and unique way. But I, I want to dig into that, but I want to go past or earlier than uh, 2010 for the CJ that you have in the jam pad. Now, what was your, uh, well, and you know, you've talked about your 95 Wrangler, right? From the very beginning, talk to me a little bit about, I, I have this great picture of, you know, young high school, Chris, just, you know, roaming around in his Wrangler, bombing around. I don't even know what songs you were listening to. Probably a little Dave Matthews. Just Maybe a little Cypress Hill, yeah. a little Biggie, you know, a little bit of everything, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, probably out to the beach, out skiing. I know you're a big skier, right? So yeah, definitely. But you had the you had the Jeep, but walk me through from there because you've kind of a pretty eclectic history getting into it. From that first 95 Wrangler SE that I had as my first car to that, you know, 81 CJ7 and everything in between, there's a lot of time in between there. And there were a lot of cars. Like I've always been obsessed with cars and trucks, right? That's been my thing since I was a little kid. I like, you know, in movies, like movies like Back to the Future, Goonies, like, you know, ORV with bullet holes, like, you know, like, you know, (laughs) that line. If anybody's, uh, you know, a Goonies fan out there, I'm sorry, you're saying? Uh, What's your body count? Like, how many, what do you think your total is? So it's funny you say that. So recently we were at a friend's house for dinner on a Friday night. And uh, one of our friends actually asked me that question. How many cars have you and trucks have you owned throughout your, your lifetime at this point? Right. So in New Jersey, we get our driver's license at 17. I am 41 now. Like, and we started counting and we actually ended up getting to the point where we were just, we stopped, we stopped. I stopped naming them. I stopped counting them because it got to like a ridiculous (laughs) number, but you know, I'll, I'll walk the listeners through it because it's and you can get a good feel for me on the 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 cars and trucks i've owned because i've gone through different phases right so you know from i i had this obsession with european fast cars for a while had a bunch of european fast cars especially bmw m's um so like luxury like ultra luxe cars i mean i've had a little bit of everything before i just got into classic four by fours and started collecting them heavily now man little less than 15 years ago but so the first car was that 95 jeep wrangler yj se model 
in aqua metallic uh nice. with a gray interior it had the the 4.0 liter inline six um five speed manual it was like that was just like i think you used this line it was pure unadulterated freedom for me yeah. like i didn't care how much flack i got because i drove a teal jeep like right on. i just like I was, I got my license later than everybody else. So I was young for my grade. So I didn't get my license until I was a senior where almost all my friends started getting their licenses like late sophomore year, but all through junior year, I was like one of the last to get my license. So by the time I got, I was able to drive myself. Like it was just about getting behind the wheel and and going skiing, going to the beach and, and, and doing that. From there, I ended up with a, actually, I, I know how this happened. So there was like a, a random like dateline or something about how like, you know, Jeeps were dangerous and the steering columns, you know, came up into your chest, the rollover, whatever it was, right? My mom had watched this dateline. I came home from school one day and my mom was like, you're getting a new car. And I was like, What? She's like, you're getting a new car. Like, you can't be driving that on a daily basis. We'll put it up to our ski house or a beach house and and we'll have it as an extra car there. Like, I, I don't want you driving on a daily basis. So I was like, okay, I'll take advantage of this situation. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, what do you want? And at the time, the new Tahoe's had come out. Like this okay. was like nine, this was like 1999, right? Okay. Uh the new Tahoe's had come out, and yeah. I wanted a Tahoe, brand new Tahoe. And so I said, I want, I want a Tahoe. My mom's like, no problem. Let's go. Let's go to the Chevy dealership right now. Yeah. So I found a blue Tahoe LT okay. with tan leather and it had the ambulance doors. I don't know if you remember, like back yeah. then you could get the Tahoes with the ambulance doors. These, these were the four door Tahoes, right? Yeah. And I was like, all right, this is, I test drove it. I was like, this is what I want. It was an LT. It was loaded to the brim. I think it had a CD player where I was like, oh, it's got a Oof. CD player, you know, yeah. <laughs> so, had leather. Yeah. And then when we came back from the test drive, we pulled into the Chevy dealership and coming off of a truck was, do you remember the Blazer ZR2s? Yeah. Yeah. So Chevy made uh, special edition models and they made a special edition two-door Blazer called the ZR2 model. It had a built-in lift. It had like, you know, 33 by 12 and a half inch BF Goodrich long trail tires. Like, so it was lifted. It was stout. Yeah, yeah. And I remember pulling back in after the test drive and looking at my mom being like, uh, yeah, I don't want that Tahoe. I want that Blazer ZR2. So she's like, okay, whatever. It's actually less expensive than the Tahoe. So whatever. Just I don't want you driving that Jeep. Yeah. So I ended up for my senior high school driving a a 99 Chevy Blazer ZR2. It was fire engine red. It was factory lifted. It was... It was cool, man. And I look back at that decision that my mom made as the best decision ever because it ended up saving my life. I ended up getting in an accident on my way. Yes, on my way. A rollover accident, actually. Wow. On my way to a graduation party my senior year of high school. Really whack situation. There was somebody pulling a boat in front of me. They had an inflatable in the boat. It came out. We ended up running over it. And when we ran over it, it ended up putting us on our side. We ended up rolling over in the median on Route 80. But we all survived. We all walked away. And the reason we all survived and walked away is because we weren't honestly in a Jeep Wrangler. 
that's why so it was uh, thank you mom uh you know for for seeing that dateline episode or whatever it was because it ended up saving our life and i actually believe it or not this is the longest time in my entire life where i didn't drive so that was like yeah that was right after we graduated senior year and i did not drive all summer my friends drove me around i I was too scared to get back behind the wheel And then uh, it was time to go to college. I went to college in upstate New York um, in the Finger Lakes region. And uh, my parents were like, do you want a car? Like, you know, to drive back and forth. Like, yeah. what do you want to do? Because I went to a college where you could actually have a car your freshman okay. year. Yeah. It's actually one of my my decision points. Yeah, right. The fact that I can have a car freshman year. So yeah. uh, from there, ended up with a 1999 Dodge Durango SLT plus. Cool. Um, yeah. yeah. Which if you know, the Durangos were like, they were like, they just come out. They were like hot. It had the, yeah. you know, the, I think the five, nine or the five, seven V8, whatever yeah. it was. Yeah, yeah. And it was the SLT plus it was silver with black leather. Like okay. I was one of the first ones to, to have that anybody had ever seen. And yeah. that's what I drove my first year of college. Okay. And then, uh, I actually started interning in New York city, uh, for a, uh, real estate securities investment manager, which actually out of college, I ended up working full time for, but I started interning for them. And I quickly learned when you work in finance in New York city, like even as the intern, you make a good couple shekels. (laughs) So I was, I was like, interning over the winter and over the summer. So I do like a month over the winter when I was home uh, from college. And I do like three months over the summer, but I actually made enough money to get a new car myself and and buy a new car myself. And that was when, do you remember when I know you're a BMW guy and early E BMW guy, I think it was the E36s. Do you remember when the E again, I don't know if it was 36s, but the 330 XI came out. Yeah. So, and I think that was like two. 2001. So my yeah. next car was a car I bought from the first car I actually bought myself in college uh, from my my intern money, right? I made enough money interning, right? And it was a, I believe a 2000 or a 2001 BMW 330xi blue with black leather. I love absolutely yeah, yeah. love that. And I drove that all through college. That was yes. my my car in upstate New York. Uh it was a and we used to get a lot of snow in the Finger Lakes region, in the snow yeah. belt, and upstate New York. That thing it used to it. dominate, yeah. absolutely dominate. Yeah. And then my last year of college, this technically wasn't my car, but my brother, my parents bought my brother a car before he turned 17, like when he turned 16. And a family friend of ours actually owned a BMW dealership. Okay. So that's how I actually ended up with these BMWs at good nice. prices. But that was right when the X5 had just come out. Oh, cool. Right? Yeah. So the brand, like the X5, the, the original OG X5 yeah. came out. And my parents bought a an X5 for my brother. And it was a manual transmission X5. That's Ooh, why we were able wow. to get it. Like, that, yeah. it's such a, a bottom dollar is, I don't know how we ended it was either somebody ordered it incorrectly, but whatever. It had sat on the lot for a long time. Because who wants to yeah, drive right. a, a manual X5, Right. right. There was a manual transmission. I remember my senior year, my brother didn't have his driver's license yet, but he was learning to drive. That was actually a rule my parents had. Like we both had to learn to drive on a manual yeah. transmission, right? Yeah. My first car was a manual transmission. His was a manual transmission. And I remember stealing that from my brother. So like my senior Hell year, yeah. Yeah. when I went to college, my senior year of college, I remember like, you know, just 
getting and packing like my brother was out of the house right and he didn't have his license at the time like so i just packed up like the x5 and i just took that right yeah. and left my 330 xi behind um, oh it wasn't technically mine it was my brother's uh, sure. and then he ended up turning 17 and i you know gave yeah. it back to him yeah, yeah. so and took the 330 yeah. xi back jeez and then i'm trying to think from there i got out of college started working full-time in the city um, okay. for the company i interned for and being who I am, you know, I was making a couple shekels working the city as a young, early 20s, young buck in my early 20s. And, you know, uh, what are the things you buy when you, you know, you work, you live in the city, you're making a couple shekels, life is good, your career is ascending. You know, the first couple of things I bought were a nice watch, a pair of Gucci loafers. And the third thing I bought was a, let's see, I had a, oh, this is when I had my SRT8. That was right around the time the Grand <laughs> Cherokee SRT8s had come out. That right? was badass, yeah. So I ended up buying a 06 Grand Cherokee SRT8. Wow. And I actually, believe it or not, my monthly payment on that thing was less than it cost me per month to park it in New York. Oh, State. I believe that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so i had no reason to have a car in new york city other than like i just wanted a car and i wanted an srt8 right like my mentality was am i just going to leave it out in my parents house in jersey like 45 minutes out and just let it sit there or am i just gonna pay a massive amount of money every single month to have it in my garage in my building and for some reason in my weird brain i justified having a car in new york city as a young buck like yeah. you know, living so i had an 06 jeep grand cherokee srt8 that was the first srt that landed i remember it was on my radar screen i was waiting for them to land and one landed at a, a jeep dealership not too far from in jersey but outside the city and i hunted the thing down i tried to get a deal on it they Basically, the sales desk basically no. laughed at me. Yeah. Uh, but I got them to sell it to me for MSRP. And this was like before. Yeah. This is like early 06. Like yeah. this is like they were just starting to land. And yeah. uh, the guy uh he sold it to me for MSRP and I drove that thing. I loved that thing. They put no miles on it. Yeah, but my right. wife and I, at the time it was my girlfriend. We were living together. Now my wife, we were living together in the city and and uh gave us a way to get out of the city on the weekends sure. and like if i had to travel for work a little bit here and there i would just drive but whatever um, you need to tell yourself yeah <laughs> however i was justifying it myself i had a car in new york city i, I, I truck in new york city i don't know why right, right so yeah. it just i i'll justify it to myself in any way possible yeah. but uh but it was dope it was sick that yeah. thing i mean had some serious horsepower right. that thing when you opened it up it just broke. Yeah. Like the, the, yeah, the sound that came out of that thing was amazing. It just hauled. Yeah. I mean, it just chugged gas. Right. Chugged <laughs> gas. But, you know, it was worth every second behind the wheel of that thing. Yeah. Um, God, that's then, yeah. Uh, so this actually is a funny story, which leads me to my next, my next vehicle. So I had that SRT8 and I was actually traveling for work. Um, and I was in an area where a buddy of mine lived, a buddy of mine I grew up with in high school. And uh, I was driving to his house. I had finished work up for the day, you know, visiting clients, whatever on the road, finished work up for the day. And I said, Hey, I'm here. Like, 
I'm just going to go see my buddy, call my buddy, uh, say, hey, I'm going to come over. He's like, yeah, come over. Here's my address, right? So as I'm driving there in that Grand Cherokee SRT8, I am driving through an intersection. A, a high school girl blows the stop sign and T-bones me in an Jeez. SRT8. Yes. I was fine. Everything was good. But like yeah. that yeah. visual of driving through an intersection where you don't have a stop sign and all of a sudden seeing a car at 40 or 50 miles an hour literally – coming directly towards you to your driver's side door is the the scariest thing in the world. Oh yeah. You remember that sound, right? Like you just remember the sound and the moment. Yeah. I remember the visual of just looking over to the left and seeing this girl's face. Like she slammed on the brakes at that point, but she was still cruising and seeing this girl's face, knowing that she was going to T-bone me. She ended up T-bone me, spinning me around, like did a ton of damage. Um, It, miraculously didn't have any frame damage. I don't know how, uh, cause yeah, where it hit actually wasn't in the B pillar. It was like below the A pillar on the, you know, almost by the front fender. Um, so it it didn't have any frame damage. It was, it was repairable, but this was right around the time I was getting married. Right. Oh, wow. And, uh, we, I got married in Cape Cod and, what ended up happening, and this is this is like old school me. This is a this is a like a, a prime story on yes. where my head was at back then. Yeah. Right. So I my Grand Cherokee SRT8 was gonna be in the in the body shop for a long period of time for for a while, probably like yeah. thirty to forty five days. Because yeah. keep in mind these things were still pretty new, right? They, like sourcing the parts, the body kits and stuff for them. Like these things yeah. weren't even on dealer lots. Yeah, getting the body kit and the wheels and yeah. and all the modifications that had been done to these SRTs, getting them was hard. So we right. knew it was going to be. And in that period, I think it was like, you know, a month to two months, uh, I was actually getting married and I got married in Cape Cod. Mm-hmm. So we were living in the city. I got married in Cape Cod and I needed a I had a rental car. Right. But over my dead body, was I going to use that rental car to drive to my wedding? And like, you know, and so one day I'm in the rental car and this is right when the GMC Denali's had just come out. Right. I want to say Sierra, but that's a pickup truck. That's the whatever. It was a Denali. Right. So it was the um, the, Yukon. Yukon. Yes. Yukon Denali. So it was. So though it was 2006, like summer 2006, they had released the 07 Yukon Denali's and they were hot, man. They were like the new body style, the fresh new body style. Uh I remember driving by a GMC dealership and it was like sitting out front and I was like, all right, (laughs) you know what? Like, I'm not going to use this rental car to go up to Cape Cod for my wedding. Like, that's pretty dope. Walked in, bought it. Right. No, but keep in mind, (laughs) I still have this SRT8. Yeah, right. And I'm living in the city, right? right. So <laughs> I have this SRT8 that's getting fixed, yeah. right? In my like infinite wisdom, I decide that like I can't drive a rental car to my wedding, so I need to have my own car that like fits my own style, right? right. So I bought a brand new 07 GMC Denali, right? For the pure purpose of right. filling a gap of 30 to 60 days, right? Right. Yeah, right. And to, and to drive it to my wedding. I, again, like, I don't know where this mentality came from. This is wild. Like, yeah, I'm right. talking about this now, and I can't even, like, fathom that I was this person. Right. right. So get married, go on our honeymoon, get back from a honeymoon. Body shop calls and says, hey, your SRT8's ready. Right. Okay. 
right? I have this 2007 yeah. GMC, uh, you know, Yukon Denali that right. I'm now driving. What am I going to do with this Grand Cherokee SRT8? So, Jeez. and I only have one spot in the city. Yeah. Uh, so I was like, ah, whatever, you know, I'll just put the SRT8 out at my, out of my parents' house. Right. And in this, I had actually gotten promoted at work. Like things were going great. So I put the SRT8 at my parents' house in Jersey where they had extra parking. I brought the Denali into the city. And then one day I was I was actually on my way to a meeting. I'll remember this forever on Route 17 in Paramus, New Jersey. And on my way to the meeting, there was a on 17, there was a, an Audi dealership. And <laughs> I remember passing it going north and seeing yeah. the Audi dealership. It's on it was on the southbound side. And sitting out front was an Audi s8 like a like a bluish gray audi s8 right and i caught my eye on the way to the meeting and i went did the meeting had client meeting did everything and finished up for the day and again i'm in this keep mind back to i'm in this this yukon denali i now have the srt8 at my parents house just sitting there doing i don't know like my dad asking my dad to start it every everything like right yeah, something. Something it's fixed. Yeah. It's a hundred percent. It's good. Right. And in this period of time, we actually had moved moved to an, another place in the city where I had somehow finagled some more parking spaces. Right, okay. and I knew that I could get more parking spaces because right. this addiction is purely a byproduct of how many parking spaces that I can right. Get. Yeah, right. And props to your wife here. You know, for her. Her patience and understanding. She, I mean, she's the most patient person in the world. I don't still question what she's doing with me, right? <laughs> <laughs> so she's amazing, right? So we're living in the city. We had moved, and I now have the prospect of I can get more parking spaces. Yeah, right? of course. So I have this uh, this GMC Denali, and I'm driving, and on the way back, I'm like, oh, if that Audi S8 is still sitting out front, like, I don't know, maybe I'll stop it and look at it. Right. Yeah. So bad machine. Yeah. It was dope. Right. Yeah. So I stop and, you know, a salesman comes out and he's like, Oh, do you want to take it for a spin? And I was like, eh, Yeah, why not? Right. He's like, Driver's here. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> why not? Right. <laughs> take this thing out for a spin. And this thing is bad, man. Like, this was like, this was the time where they, I think they had the W12s. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. I think I think at the time the S8s had the W12s because at the same time oh, wow. as like the the VW Phaeton. Yeah, right? I don't know if you remember that. I do. It was, I it do. was that body style, which was also yeah. 07, right? Mm-hmm. So this thing was bad, man. Yeah. So I like I came back and gave the keys to the the salesman, and he's like, "Hey, man, I'm gonna be straight with you. It's the end of the month, and this thing has been sitting. Right? Yeah. He goes, "We've had this thing for like." almost 90 days now he's like i don't know what what's with it usually s8s come and go but like they want to work a deal i was like "Eh, like i gotta get out of here like i'm I'm in i'm in like bad this is a bad place don't tell me that right yeah "Ah, come in let's see what we can do for you right and i gotta tell you right out of the gate they like they dropped their pants like yeah like i'm talking like below invoice dropped their pants like literally first turn they came out with the invoice yeah and said just take it we'll give it to you at invoice i was like nah and i was even like countering them i was like no i'm not interested right and it just like they started negotiating against themselves down and then finally like the guy came out like after me just saying no like 10 times right the salesman you know the normal sales manager comes out and he's like 
Yeah. It's like, all right. He goes, this is it. I can't, I can't lose any more money. This is what I can give away for. It's an aged unit. Like this is it. I, I can't, there's right. nothing more on the bone. And I was like, well, if you're going to make it worth my while, why not? Right. <laughs> now I'm living in New York city and I have three cars. Yeah. Right? I have the 06 Grand Cherokee SRT8, the 07 Denali, Yukon Denali, and now an 07 Audi S8. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Again, in my infinite wisdom. Right. Right. Um, And now I'm in a building where, man, I know that I can get like a couple extra spaces. I could actually get three spaces. So now I'm living in the city with three cars. I have three spaces, which cost me more than all these cars combined. (laughs) So I'm like, all right, whatever. It was what it was. Had those for a while. Finally, like, the SRT8s were really, really, really in demand back then. It, Carfax wasn't really a big thing. I ended up selling it privately to to a guy that just wanted it, right? And I disclosed, hey, it had been an accident, been repaired. Like, yeah. this guy, just he didn't care. He wanted it. So then I ended up whittling down to two. And then I was traveling a lot for work at that time. So I was putting miles on both those cars, but I would wake up go down to my garage and my garage guys uh, would be like, oh, what do you want to take the Audi or the, you know, like, oh, whatever, pull up, whatever. I'll take whatever. Right. So literally the the garage guys would choose what, you know, what I was driving that day. Yeah. Um, And then from there, trying to think, oh, okay. So I had these two cars. We ended up moving again to a place where I, 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 had two spots at this point and I, I couldn't get two spots in the city from my feasibility, you know, barrier. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but I ended up uh, getting rid of the 07 Denali and keeping the Audi S8, right? Yeah. So drove that. And then I ended up switching, switching jobs and moving. Now, this is actually the first time we lived down in the, in coastal New Jersey, moving um, from the city down to, again, another city, but not New York city, uh, a city called Red Bank, right on in coastal New Jersey, living in downtown Red Bank. And the A8 was really, really, really getting up there in miles. The S8 was getting up there in miles, like, and these things depreciate, like there's no tomorrow. So I was like, ah, you know, like, I was driving a lot. I was traveling a lot for work at that point, yeah. right? Every day I was behind. I was putting a lot of miles. So that uh, I went and bought my first Toyota product, which Ooh. was, yeah, which is pretty cool. It was a, forget what year it was. I think this was like an 08, maybe 2009 Lexus GS. Do you remember the Lexus I GS? Do. I do. I had a crush on those. Yeah. Yeah. So Lexus didn't cool. make a lot of them. They weren't very popular i don't know why but awesome absolutely super cool there were you know the the mid-size four-door sedan sports sedan it wasn't a gsf but it was a the gs the one with the eight cylinder the 430 or 460 whatever it was right the sa got a little long in the tooth and then miles were getting up there maintenance was wild on that car right yeah so Ended up trading it in for a Lexus GS for whatever the eight cylinder was. I think it was 430, 460. And man, I got to tell you, that was the first time I owned a Toyota product. Yeah. And that's where my Toyota addiction came from. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, night and day. Yeah. Yeah. Maintenance is cheap. I know you drive it. You drive actually a Lexus, a Toyota product. Yeah. And yeah. man, it's like these. It was like, it opened my world up yeah. to like, because before then I had driven just American and European cars. Right. And 
driving a Japanese car, I was like, wow, these things yeah. are awesome. Yep. They're never in the shop. They right. never break. Yep. Literally, you do tires, brakes, rotors, wipers, yeah. and fluids. Right. And it's cheap. You can have them done. It, right. That, like, opened my world, right? Right. Great ride um, quality. Yep. I, at that time, I was actually commuting to Philadelphia. Oh, okay. Um, which was a, a long yeah, yeah. drive. Uh, ironically, throughout my entire career, I always you know, lived in New York city or, or outside of New York city. And for some reason always had a job where I would I had to be in Philadelphia, whether I was commuting or covering whatever. So I, I spent a lot of time in Philadelphia. So I was driving back and forth from Red Bank, New Jersey to Philadelphia every single day. Hmm. And, uh, I put a ton of miles on that thing. Uh, and I just loved it. Yeah. And then the same thing, it got long in the tooth that, you know, I, I lost interest in it. And, yeah. uh, I was like, you know what? I really miss my BMWs. And that was right when, I think that was like 2010. That was right when the X6s had come out. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Remember the BMW X6s, right? And I was like, man, I want an X6M. And I bought a X6M. It was blue with, uh, with tan interior. And I drove an X6M again, completely ridiculous. I was commuting from like, you know, (laughs) coastal New Jersey, Northern coastal New Jersey, Red Bank, New Jersey to Philadelphia every day. Absurd. I don't know why, like it was completely not feasible. These things depreciate like crazy. Uh, But I, I bought an X6M and and I loved that thing. Absolutely love that thing and drove that for, a while. Oh, and that's when we had actually moved into a house. We moved into uh, like the suburbs, right? There was a short period of time. And anybody that knows me knows that my wife and I are, are city people. Like yeah. we like the suburbs are not for us, but there was a two year period of a time in our lives where we lived in the suburbs. Right. Yeah. And when you're at this point, I think we were in our early, like late twenties, early thirties. We had, you know, no kids. Like, yeah. I don't know why we moved to the suburbs, but <laughs> the good thing is we moved to the, moved to the suburbs and had a house that had yeah. a like a three car garage, right? Perfect. So in my mind, I have now have three garage spots, right? So like, I need to have three cars, right? right? Yeah, naturally, yeah. That, oh, of course, right? Yeah. So I had the X six M, and that's where I bought the eighty one Omaha Orange CJ seven. Right. Nice. Cause again, we were in a, like a coastal community, not far from the water. The beach was close. Like, so I bought that CJ seven and we were in the suburbs and my wife was still working in the city in New York city, but she was taking the train and on rainy days, she didn't want to walk to the train. We lived close to the train station at that time. She didn't want to walk to the train. She needed a car. And at that time, my cousin had actually ended up getting control of a bankrupt uh, CJDR dealership. Interesting. Yeah. So my cousin owned a CJDR dealership, a Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram dealership. And that was right when the Grand Cherokee Overlands, the new body style Grand Cherokee Overlands had come out. Right. And they were hot. Like they were like the American Range Rover. So we had the 81 CJ7, my BMW X6M, and my wife had a Grand Cherokee Overland. For some reason, we always keep my wife always has a car. She never puts any miles on it. I don't know why we continue to have a car for my wife. I don't know. 
But yeah. yeah, exactly. So had that. And then where did I go after that? Ever since then, ever since that's like 2010, 11, 12, whatever. Yeah. I've always had that 81 CJ7. Like that's yeah. been a part of my life. It will always be a part of my life. I will keep it forever. It's the one I will never sell. But again, the X6M, yeah. I started putting miles on it. It was depreciating. At that point, I was like, I was driving back and forth to Philadelphia. Oh, and I know, I know what happened. <laughs> this is actually classic, right? No. It's a good story. So the time I was working for, this is when I started working in automotive private equity, but I was wow. working in one of the divisions for the parent company. I was working in one of the divisions. And actually, though this wasn't the division I was in, one of the other divisions within this portfolio of automotive-related businesses was an auto finance and leasing company, a non-captive new car leasing company, right? So I had access to the the when we the division I was working in was the retail division, right? Mm-hmm. So when the bank would the non-captive new car lease finance company would repossess, though they were a prime, they were a prime lender, right? Yeah. You have special circumstances, sure. right? But they would rep- when they would repossess those vehicles, they wouldn't because they tend, you know, repossessed vehicles tend to be newer, lower mileage. And it's right. it's usually a since they were a prime lender, it wasn't usually a credit situation. It was usually like death, divorce, gotcha. you know, something unique, right? It, it wasn't really a credit situation. So right. what ended up happening was uh, those used to come to the retail division. Yeah. So I saw one that had been repossessed, right? And it was a, a Land Rover Range Rover, full-size Range Rover autobiography edition. Oh, cool. Wow. Right. Yes. So at the time I was working directly for the president and the CEO um, in the division that I was, I was working in and I saw this thing hit the the repo report, right? We used to call it the repo report. And I went to the CEO of the company and I was like, Hey man, (laughs) what will you sell me this Range Rover autobiography? And I want to say it was like a 20... 2012 was the last year of that body cell. So I want to say again, it was like a 2010, maybe a 2011 Range Rover autobiography. It was pre the 2013 changeover. Right, right, right. changeover. So he said to me, you know what? He goes, we're into this thing. This person, you know, had a big cap cost reduction. You know, this was a situation where we're into it and we don't own it for very much. Like you're a good employee. I'll just sell it to you for what we own it for on the books. Which was like pennies, yeah. way less than it was worth, right? Yeah. Way, 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 yeah. way less <laughs> than yeah. it was worth. He goes, but I don't want to have to recondition it. It's it, it's grounded at the the person. Yeah. It was involuntary surrender. The repo was involuntary surrender. It's at the dealership that this person bought it from, okay. right? Uh, or leased it from, like. It's in good condition. Just go up to that dealership. Look at it. If you want it, just let me know and and we'll take care of it. So I get up there. The thing has like 9,000 miles on it. It was immaculately clean. It was the first time that Land Rover had done the autobiography edition on the Range Rover. Right. So it was uh, Buckingham blue with uh, white leather interior with what blue stitching and okay. blue piping in the yeah. seats and the dash. Wow. Right? This, oh, this thing was gorgeous. Yeah. So I started driving that. And that was my deal. I got rid of the X6M, got that. Again, my wife is 
uh, we still have the, the 81 CJ7. I'm driving a Range Rover autobiography. Um, and my wife has this Grand Cherokee Overland that she's putting no miles on. Right. Uh, next thing you know, the the new, my cousin calls me one day. He's like, hey, they changed the interiors, the Grand Cherokee Overlands. They, they, they have this really cool, like, gray exterior with like a baseball glove and navy blue leather interior it looks awesome yeah you got one on the ground he's like yeah i do i was like uh let's just trade in my my wife's grand cherokee overland that she has for this one right yeah he might as this she put maybe in like two or three years like less than five thousand miles oh yeah yeah put her in another grand cherokee overland that just sat there and she would maybe drive like once twice a week sure but and over uh, th- over the the three year lease would, you know, maybe put like six seven thousand miles on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I have that that Range Rover autobiography. Oh, and I know what happened was uh, I was working for for a portfolio of automotive related businesses, very private equity esque, and I was working in one of the divisions. Now I had gotten promoted, and I was heading up. Uh, I was working on the corporate team at that time. Okay. So I had to do a lot of traveling and I was really, at the time we had actually, we were launching a new, I I was working in the auto finance and leasing division, right? Or that company that we had. And I was, I was spending a lot of time there and I was going out and visiting partner dealers and I was building new markets. I was doing some cool stuff. And, uh, (laughs) I remember the CEO calling me in one day and being like, Hey man, like you can't drive a Range Rover to cost <laughs> like to meet our dealer partners. Like it, it, you can't do that. Like that's not acceptable. You can't just like roll up in a Range Rover. So he ended up forcing me into a demo. So I had to take like a company car. So I had a company car for several years thereafter. He's like, you just can't drive this. I was like, all right, whatever. So I ended up having a company car, I had some really cool company cars sure, at that yeah, yeah. time, you know, like, um, I can list probably like hundreds of those. Like there was a time where I was rolling through cars like every week or two. I was getting a new car every week or two, but I will leave our listeners with this. (laughs) My favorite company car I ever drove. Keep in mind, I had thousands and thousands. Our retail division had, you know, at that time, 2000 plus cars in inventory. I could drive whichever one I want. My favorite company car that I drove was a Volvo S90. Really? Yes. Right. Huh. And I, cause I used to, I used to, I used to go in and out of cars all the time, you know, yeah. Range Rover sports, infinity FXs. That's before they were the cues. Like, and yeah. I, one day when I was at one of the divisions and one of the lock guys or one of the locations in the lock guys, I needed a new demo or, or company car. And, the, and I was like, I ah, just, you know, pick me out something cool. Yeah. And he came up with this Volvo S90. Yeah. And I think that's the longest time I spent in a in a company car was that Volvo S90. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love that car. But at this time, now I have a company car. It doesn't cost me anything. They're paying gas holes, everything. Right. So I still have this three-car garage. So I'm like, all right, I have my company car. I can park that outside of the 81 CJ7. My wife has this Grand Cherokee Overland that just kind of just sits in the garage and drives on like Saturday to go to the food store. And like, if it rains to, you know, go to the the train station. Right. Yeah. But I was like, I have an extra garage bay. Yeah. So I got to fill this thing. Right. Right. What am I going to fill it with? I'm going to fill it with an M5. Yeah. Yeah. What else do you fill it with? Right. An M5. Of course. I mean, it's practical, right? It fills the gap. 
makes sense. I mean, yeah. I have this extra spot. Like, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm just going to go out and get an M5. So, and that was like, a, I want to say it was was right when the body style had changed and it was the the current body style. I want to say like 2012, 2013, somewhere in there, but it was the current body style and it was M5. And this is super rare. I'll remember this forever with competition and executive package. Oh, interesting. So it had comp and exec package. So there, there was no option that this M5 didn't have. Right. And this was back when, do you remember when like Triple black was like a thing where everybody was like painting their wheels black. 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 Yeah. yeah, that was like a thing. Right. So it was carbon black with a black yeah. leather interior. And I had the the <laughs> the M wheels, the M spoke wheels. Sure. At that time, I think there were 20s or 21s. Yeah. Um I had them uh powder coated black. So it was like triple yeah. black. This thing was like awesome, right? So now to catch everybody up, 81. Omaha Orange CJ7, random Grand Cherokee Overland that just right. sits there. Uh, I now have this M5 as my fun weekend car, triple black, and then I have this company car, uh, which is revolving every week, right? right? It's a new one every week, right. right? So, and I have a cool story about that M5 uh, and why I ended up getting rid of it. A lot of our listeners know uh, my wife and I are absolutely devout Avid Brothers fans. And from 2012 to 2017, that five-year period of time, my wife and I were literally either hopping in the car or hopping on a flight almost every week or every weekend to yeah. see Ava Brothers shows all around the country. Perfect. Right? We were yeah. all over the place. Like, So that's late that summer what ended up happening was the Ava brothers were running through like new England. They were had a bunch of tour dates through Connecticut, Massachusetts, New Hampshire, Vermont. And it was like a, a good, like two week span. So we took two weeks off from work and we just like every, we just followed them throughout new England. And we took that M five, right. With yeah. comp and uh, awesome. exec pack. Right. And we were on, I'll remember this forever. We were on route seven in on our way to Burlington, Vermont. So okay. we were in like Southern or Central Vermont on Route 7, going north up Route 7 on our way to Burlington, Vermont to see the Ava Brothers play in Burlington, Vermont, um, which still to this day is one of the best Ava Brothers shows I've ever been to. There was like nice. 1,200 people on Lake Champlain. Jeez. It was amazing, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, we are... And we're on Route 7, which if anybody's been in Vermont on Route 7, it's it's a rural two-lane road, right. um, you know, north-south, that's it. And it, it's not heavily traveled. So I decide I'm going to open this M5 up. Gotcha. And I'm going to, oh, yeah, man. Like, because yeah. you know, back, like, it wasn't governed. I'm, oh, I'm going to, I'm oh, going to rip, dude. Yeah. And this was when the... They had switched from the ten cylinder, so okay. the previous body style had had the ten cylinder and the yeah. and the M's to the twin turbo. They started doing the twin turbo eight cylinders. Yeah, that's mean. so. Yeah. Yo, mean. Yeah, because the ten cylinder was just pure power from displacement, right? right? Yeah. Now you have an eight cylinder that has twin turbos, and yeah. when these things spin out, when the boost spins out of these things, yeah, it just no, yeah. it puts you back, yeah. right? Yeah, I'm like, I'm on Route 7. I want to open this thing up in, in central or southern Vermont on my way up to see a, an Avid Brothers show in Burlington, Vermont. Life's good. And I just open this thing up. Yeah. And we're going around, not a heavy corner, but like a very slight corner. Yeah. And right as I open it up, going into the corner, the turbo spin out. 
right? And it just boosts. Yeah. And I must have hit a little bit of gravel. Yeah. And all of a sudden, we just started spinning and spinning and spinning. I I can't even count how many times we spun in that car, right? And again, if anybody's been on Route 7 in in Vermont, in the rural areas, this was kind of like outside of Middlebury, Vermont, there are drainage ditches Mm -hmm. on either side of Route 7, right? It's not really high, which is two A's at this point. So I don't know how this happened, because if we had gone into that drainage ditch, we would have rolled and yeah. it would have been a bad news bears, right? Yeah. Somehow we shot the gap between two drainage ditches. So there was a, the drainage ditches when you have a driveway, right? They, they stop and there's like right. a driveway goes over like, I don't yeah, know, yeah. some, like the, a pipe, right? Yeah. yeah. Somehow yeah. from the grace of God, as we're spinning at God knows how fast I was going, right? Yeah. We ended up, spinning and going over one of those those ingresses to a driveway and at that point we hit grass and stopped on like somebody's front lawn i'll remember for the rest of my life like looking over at my wife and that was like one of the first times where like i thought she was gonna kill me yeah i I seriously (laughs) thought she was gonna kill me right yeah needless to say the car was fine everything was fine we were good and I think I made it the rest of the way up to Burlington, Vermont, oh, wow. like at like 50 miles. Oh yeah. yeah. The car was like completely <laughs> yeah. fine. Like there was like, there was like grass yeah. like, in the wheels. <laughs> like they had to shake out, like, you know, yeah. like put it off, put them off balance. But I think we drove like 50 miles an hour the rest way to. Yeah. Burlington. So that was one of your first like overland, you know, experiences. Oh yeah, definitely. It was a great <laughs> off-road experience in, in a, uh, in a BMW M5 with, with comp and an Oof. exact pack. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, got home from. I got home from that trip uh, and I was like, wow, this is, I learned a lesson there and I lived to tell about it. Like these cars with that type of power, if you don't respect them, they will kill you. They will kill you. And I was like, you know what? This thing is a little too much for me. Like it's just more than what I can handle. You know, I was like, it's just like, I had a a near death experience. I was like, I got, I got to get rid of this thing. They were super popular. Yeah. Yeah. So at this point we had moved out of that house, you know, where I had the three car garage and moved into a building in Red Bank. Uh, but I had somehow like coerced the the property management person to let me rent extra spots. Like, nice. you know, our condo yeah. came, I think, with two spots, but like the property management person, like they had like the association owned like a bunch of extra spots and they weren't doing anything with them. They were going to use them for like storage. Just, I don't know. Right. So like I, I coerced like the condo association right. or like the property manager to like rent me some more spots. Yeah, yeah. Right. So I had two spots again, the 81 CJ seven, my wife's grand Cherokee Overland again, I think hadn't even finished broken in miles. She, she's right. like halfway through the lease. Like, you know, at this point <laughs> I have my company car. So that's three. And then I had the M5. I was like, oh, you know what? I'm going to get rid of the M5. Right. I'm going to get rid of the M5. I'm going to replace it with something. So what do you replace an M5 with? Of course, like an even worse decision, okay. which was a Maserati. <laughs> it was, I, Say it no was more. <laughs> yes, a Maserati. This was right when the, the Ma- Maserati had changed the Quattroport body yeah. style. Right. Yeah. And they were hot, man. Yeah. Like the long big. wheelbase quadruport. Yeah. I, I got a Maserati 
watch report sq4 okay and it was that like that blue curcio Ooh, yeah. exterior mm-hmm. with that white leather interior I, yeah. I had several cars that were blue with white yeah 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 trend yep <laughs> i don't know why yeah. so it was blue with white leather interior i bought that i actually bought it because again i had access to the wholesale used car markets at the yeah. time one of our divisions was one of the largest used car wholesalers in the country so right. i bought that wholesale and when I bought it again, I think it had like under 10,000 miles on it. Like, yeah. you know, it was still under warranty, right. right? I had that car and I think it spent more time being repaired at the Maserati yeah. dealership than I actually ever drove it. Yeah. Yeah. That thing was a nightmare. An yeah. absolute nightmare. Too bad. You looked- yeah. You looked like a million bucks yeah. driving it. Don't get yeah. me wrong. You looked like a million bucks driving it. Right. right. But man, like I, I'll, I'll tell I remember this, like the first, I brought it home from where I bought it, uh, parked it. And the second time I took it out, the whole rear end blew out of it. Wow. I kid you not. The whole rear end blew out of it. Like, like hit the gas and like Go the on, transmission yeah. spinning, engines running, but like the drive shaft, the rear end, is stripped out right so i take it to the maserati dealership they have it for god knows how long right Right. had to replace the entire rear end right um and then like uh there was a common problem with those things where the front shock or strut towers were not like built correctly or and they would actually like shoot up through the wheel well oh yeah that happened to me yeah oh yeah like so i finally got it back after like a couple months of being at the maserati dealership and driving it a couple more times that thing sounded mean man when you dude it it was drove that and then had it you know the the shocks and the struts there was a recall on it but again it took it was there for like another month or two right so i probably had this thing for a year yeah and I owned it for a year. Right. I actually probably only physically had like control of it and was able to drive it for maybe six weeks, maybe two months total. Yeah. Right. So in the, in the 12 months I owned it, I actually yeah. physically only had it for, I think two months. Right. 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 So made that error. And uh, at that time we had actually moved back into the city. Okay. Right. So we were living back in the city. We're living right on the water in the city. And, Again, I don't know how I figured this out. Our condo had two parking spots, but again, I have this Grand Cherokee Overland. I have the 81 CJ7. Yep. I have this Maserati yep. and my my company car still. Right. So I have four cars, right? right? Uh, I have two spots and, oh, I know how I did it. So I ended up posting something in the mail room of the condo building, right? Like, hey, if anybody has extra, because every condo had two deeded yeah. spots. If anybody has extra spots, I'm willing to pay like like one of those like po- those like yeah. flyers that has like your number that you can pull the thing yeah. off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Lost dog, yeah. Man, and I gotta tell you, like, dude, some out of the stroke of luck, I started getting phone calls like, Yeah, I have an extra spot, I'll I'll rent it out to you. So I ended up with four parking spots in that nice. garage. Two that were mine and two that I was renting. Yeah. And then Finally, I still had the Maserati, still had the, my wife had the Grand Cherokee Overland. I had a work car, had the 81 CJ7. So we had four spots in this building. I ended up uh, finding a garage down the shore because 
uh, down the beach, kind of actually in Asbury Park, believe it or not. So oh, nice. yeah. there was a, a collector car garage in Asbury Park that I ended up finding when I was down there once. Uh, uh, though we were living in the city, we were still coming down here. We had a lot of friends down here. I ended up putting the 81 CJ7 in that collector car garage. Okay. Right? So what we would do was come down here from the city on the weekends. I would park whatever I brought down here and then hop in the 81 CJ7 and drive that around yeah. you know, Asbury Park, the other beach yeah, towns. Right? Yeah. Uh, so now I still have four spots, right, in this condo building in Jersey City, right? And but I have one availability because the eighty-one CJ seven is now parked at a collector car garage in Asbury Park, right? right. So it's like, what what do you do at this point? Right? Yeah, my wife has her Grand Cherokee, right? Again, we're we're living in the city at this point. She yeah. has to walk maybe thirty <laughs> yards from our front yeah. door to the ferry on the Hudson to get into right. downtown Manhattan, where she's working at the time. Like she has no need for a car. Right. You're on need for <laughs> zero, right? But it's hers, right? Yeah. I got the Maserati, have my work car, and have an extra spot. Yeah. And again, another like spontaneous, like I uh, I don't know how this happened. Right. Like driving past a Toyota, like, you know, my nostalgia kicked in and I was like, Oh, I really like Toyotas. Yeah. Right. You know, like yeah. they're so great. Like, oh, I could use an extra SUV, right. like. Cause I never drove my work car for any personal use. Like okay. it was to and yeah. from work for work travel. Anytime I had any personal use, like on the weekends, even though we were allowed to, sure. I didn't like, yeah. I always parked it. And at this point, like I, you know, my wife's car was my wife's car in my head. Like I wouldn't drive that. Right. Mm-hmm. I had the Maserati, but I was like, you know what, when I'm not driving my work car, like I don't always want to drive the Maserati. Right. And my wife didn't like driving in the Maserati at that time because we were living in the city. And it's a lot. Also, I'm gonna I'm gonna back up here a little bit. I forgot to mention this part. Uh again, back to blue and white cars. Uh this Maserati had again like 21 inch whatever wheels came on the SQ4 at that time. Right. And I had them powder coated white. Ooh. All right, so I had a, a navy blue Maserati <laughs> with a white interior, right? Oh, with powder coated white. So like 20, 21 inch yeah. wheels, right? Yeah. <laughs> and it, it just like, it, nobody was really had them at that time. Nobody was trying, you didn't see them. Like yeah. there really weren't a lot of dealerships then. Like, so like it got a lot of attention when you drove it. My wife, for some reason, got in her mind that like we were going to get carjacked in this thing. Yeah. yeah. She actually probably was right. I'll yeah. be honest. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, yeah. but she like would not drive in, yeah. in this Maserati. Yeah. So in my infinite wisdom, I was like, I need to get a truck for myself, something she'll drive in, right? Keep in mind, we have this Grand Cherokee Overland, you know? But uh, in my mind, I'm like, I have this extra spot. I need to fill it, right? I bought a, to fill this spot, to have a truck that I could drive. Like, again, I don't know why. I bought a Toyota 4Runner Limited. That was my first 4Runner. And I will tell you, I've always owned a 4Runner since then. I'm on my fourth 4Runner right now. Like, those things are... Like God himself created that vehicle. Yep. They're amazing. I love them. Yep. So I had that forerunner. So now I have the 81 CJ7, Grand Cherokee Overland that my wife is completely not driving. I have a forerunner, the Maserati, and my work car. Right. Four of the cars are in the city. One of the yep. cars is down in a collector yep. car garage. And then we moved in the city to another building, okay. right? But this particular building had one of those. Do you know what an automated parking garage is? 
Yeah, yeah. That's cool. So it, was, it had an automated parking garage. Yeah, it sounds real cool until the thing breaks down and the only people that <laughs> yeah. can fix it are like technicians from Germany and yeah. your car. <laughs> yeah, like it, it, and all the parts are in Germany. It was like right. a nightmare, right? Yeah. It was had to shed some cars because we could only get two spots in this automated parking garage, okay. right? You couldn't buy more spots because like, and for all our listeners out there that may not be familiar with what an automated parking garage is, basically there's no attendant, right? So it's like, um, imagine like, uh, you know, those boat racks, right? Where people like they, they, they stack their right. boats, um, on those racks, at marinas, right? It's basically like that for your car. Yeah. So you you pull into an autonomous to a garage door. The garage door opens. You pull into an autonomous garage and you actually drive the car onto a plate, right? And what happens is you get out of the the car, which is parked on a plate inside of like an elevator garage. And then you get out, the garage door closes, and an el- a series of elevators and lifts and slides literally take your car away into, like, these catacombs of these, like, it- it's wild. It's so like, unnecessary. It's so unnecessary. <laughs> the thing broke down all the yeah. time. Yeah. And it was like the-, the technology was out of Germany, and the technicians were all in Europe. So if the thing broke down and, like... You know, the, the, the building personnel couldn't fix it or reset it. Like right. they had to get these technicians, fly these technicians over from Germany. They would come and diagnose it. Right. Right. And then like, if they needed parts, the parts were in Germany. They yeah. had to like get them sent. It was yeah. like, it was a, I felt bad for everyone in this building because yeah. this thing broke down all the time. And if you needed your car on a daily basis, like it was, it was a crapshoot whether mm-hmm. or not you were getting your car. Every yes. day. So I had to shed a couple cars, right? So uh, at that point, I had my work car. I had had the Maserati. Yep. Uh, had my wife's Grand Cherokee Overland. Yep. Had the Forerunner mm-hmm. and the eighty-one CJ Seven. But the eighty-one CJ Seven is down in Asbury Park at a collector car garage, so I don't have to worry about that. Yeah, so I have four cars. I need to bring it down to two cars, right? Because that's all I have spots for, right? In my infinite wisdom. I'm like, you know what? I'll just bring it down to three cars because I'll park my work car on yes. the street. Right? right. So I kept the Maserati. <laughs> uh, we finally got rid of my wife's um, Grand Cherokee Overland, okay. which at that point we had had for about three years. And I, I remember exactly how many miles were on it because we ended up selling it to a friend of ours. Okay. At the time, a friend of ours needed a car. Yeah. And he's like, I love that car that your wife drives. Like, will you sell it to us? And I remember we sold it to him. She had had it for three years at that point. We sold yeah. it to him. And he, by the way, still has this thing, right? Cool. I don't know how it's running. Those things were horribly un- unreliable. <laughs> and it's 6,800 miles on it. <sighs> she had put an average of, what is that, 2,200 miles a yeah. year. And the oil changed because of time, not because of mileage <laughs> at that point, you know? Yeah. But then we sold a friend. He still got it. And I'm trying to think where I went from there. Eventually got fed up with the Maserati, ended up getting rid of the Maserati, uh, had the Forerunner 81 CJ7 and my work car. Um, What year are we in? We're right around probably like 2015, 2016, you know, somewhere in that realm. Ended up bringing, I got rid of, so I had the, my work car. The Forerunner, which were the two that were in this automated garage, it used to break down all the time where it would hold your car hostage for weeks on end. Yeah. Right. I'm telling you, yeah. this automated garage, there were times where it would break down 
And like they had to get the technicians in from Germany and they need parts where people's cars would be held hostage for like a week. Jeez. No, yeah. an entire yeah. high rise New York City building, you know, city yeah. building Nothing of cars, right, were held hostage for a week. That's to the point wild. where the, like the building management company would like if if it went down, it was going down so regularly that yeah. they were paying for Ubers, rental cars, just yeah. because people yeah. needed to get to, you know, some people use their right. cars every day. They had to go go away for the weekend. Right. Um, but wow. I, I had those two and the, so I had three cars at that point. Uh let's see here. And then uh, no, I had the work car, the 81 CJ7, the Forerunner, right? And the work car and the Forerunner up in the city and the 81 CJ7 down in Asbury Park. Oh, I know what happened. So I was driving the Forerunner. Okay. Uh, I decided for some reason, this is when the, the 3.5D diesel BMW X5s had just come out. Oh, cool. Yeah. Around that period of time. Yeah. And I had I got infatuated with finding a BMW X5 3.5D diesel mm-hmm. with M Sport package, which okay. was like super rare. I found one. Right? Okay. At, at a dealership that wasn't that far away, I bought it. So I ended up replacing the Forerunner with okay. this X5, this diesel X5 with M Sport package. Yeah. Right? Which by far was one of the coolest vehicles I ever owned. It got like 700 miles to the to the tank yeah, like yeah. i think i filled the, i wasn't driving a lot i think i filled the car up like right. you know once a month at most maybe yeah. every six weeks like yeah. i gotta tell you and you know it's sad to see what happened to diesel because diesel was gaining in prominence then and then yeah. obviously vw had a but i love that car man and yeah. it was it was it had great power it was fun and this is actually earlier. This is now we're we're getting to like right around like 2018, like okay. 2016, 2017, 2018, which is only about five years ago at this point. But like things are starting to get fuzzy. Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> so I forget what I got yeah. rid of. The, oh, okay. So I had the X5 for the while. So again, 81 CJ7 work car, the X5 diesel. Mm-hmm. And this is 2018 okay i'll tell you why i know it was 2018 because the new wrangler jl's had just come out yes the wrangler jl's had just come out and i was like wow these things are cool so i had a a rang i got rid of the bmw for a blue with black leather interior wrangler jl yeah Yeah. (laughs) wrangler jl sahara but like a loaded up sahara with like led light packet it had every option in it yeah so again i already i had the 81 cj7 i don't know why i wanted a wrangler like (laughs) like and again it had a hard top it had two tops right like it had a hard top, like the body color hard top on it. Like yeah. I never took the top off. I, I, again, like at this time though, I we're, we're going from the city to our beach house. We had our beach right. house. Right. So we're going back and forth every single weekend. And like we were driving the Wrangler, you know, back and forth to the, the beach house. Right? right. Right. So I had the Wrangler and then that thing was a piece. Like the newly introduced JLs were a piece. Like the head 
gasket went. Yeah. Like I remember like within the first like 10,000 miles, the entire yeah. top end of mm-hmm. that 3.7 liter Penstar yeah. had to get rebuilt. Yeah. Like it was, it was a piece, man. Yeah. Like finally, like again, another one that ended up like in the shop more than I was driving it. Right. Yeah. I didn't really drive it a lot. And I, I, I remember I said like, I, all right, I'm done with this. I ended up getting another forerunner. Nice. Because okay. you don't have these problems with Toyotas. Right? Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. So yeah. end up getting another forerunner. I think that was my first TRD Pro. Okay. We'll oh no, that one was actually a TRD off-road. Okay. With that was a TRD off-road with all the TRD options. Okay. Right. Did you get the color? What was the color at that point? That Album. one was silver also. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. I didn't have that one for very long because okay. I ended up getting my, my first TRD Pro. Gotcha. Okay. I got that. I, I traded that in for my first TRD Pro. Okay. And then now I'm on my second TRD Pro, which is the Solar Octane. Yeah, that thing is one. It's gorgeous. awesome, man. Yeah. You've been in it before. Yeah. It's, it's a color, it, too. It is yeah. the 2023 yeah. color of the year. Looks so good. Yeah. Yeah. Solar Octane. Yeah. Um, you know, TRD Pro Forerunner. Love that thing. Yeah. Uh, so... At this point, I had, a, again, another Forerunner, got rid of the Jeep, got another Forerunner because, you know, again, yeah. these Toyotas, you, you can't kill them. Yeah. yeah, like they don't lose their value. Right. Like you just get oil changes. Like, right. So I was sick of like, you know, having cars that were constantly in the shop. Right. Uh, so 81 CJ7, Forerunner. And at that point, I, I had actually gone out on my own. That's when I, I started my own company, started yeah. doing advisory and consulting. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have a work car anymore. Okay. So I started driving the Forerunner full-time, actually. Yeah. And as we kind of fast forward, now we're living in the city, going back and forth to our beach house every single weekend. And now COVID hits. Right. COVID hits. And we leave the city. And moved to our beach house. Remember back in the day when it was like when COVID yeah, first hit, and it was weeks. like, oh, we just have to flatten the curve. It'll be yeah. two to three weeks, and yeah. life is going to go back to yeah. normal, right? Right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that didn't happen. Not so right? much. So, no. next thing you know, we had like you know our place in the city. We're living full time at our beach house, and yeah. at this point, my wife is a hundred percent remote. I'm working yeah. for myself. Yeah. I'm busier than M and A is through the roof in the automotive yeah. space. Yeah. So I'm doing an immense amount of transactional advisory. There are for my clients, you know, which are investors of automotive related businesses. I'm doing a ton of work. I'm working on tons of transactions, yeah. but like I'm not traveling anymore. Yeah, right? Right. You know, I'm working from home. My wife's working from home. We ended up getting rid of our place in the city yeah. and we moved our, our beach house full time. Awesome. I have the forerunner, the 81 CJ seven. I have one, I have a garage in, um, uh, at our beach house, a one car garage, the foreigners out on the street. And that's actually, believe it or not, the only cars we had at that time yeah. were those two cars. And then my wife ends up getting full-time work from home. Okay. And she decides she, she's like, I really need my own office. Okay. Will you convert the garage to my office? Right. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, how am I going to spin this situation? <laughs> this is like real early on during COVID. I'm like, yeah, right. Uh, it was about three years ago. I'm like, all right, how am I going to spin this for myself? Because obviously the 81 CJ seven is in this garage. I, yeah. I can't, par- I live a hundred yards from the beach. Like, yeah, no you way. know, you can't park it outside. It'll rot in a year. Like, right. uh, you got it. Let me, let me figure out what I'm going to do with the 81 CJ seven. So I go out 
and I end up getting listeners that was the jam pad, which is my warehouse, my small warehouse, right? So I end up getting this small warehouse, right? Which can fit more, way more cars than the yeah. 81 CJ7, yeah. right? So now I have a whole lot of spots, right? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, my wife is like, I'm like, hey, honey, good news. I found a place for the 81 CJ7 and I'll convert the garage, which is a detached garage, to your office. Nice. She's like, oh, that's great. I'm like, yeah. yes, it's hero. great. Yeah. Right? Yes, <laughs> I am the hero. But I've worked this situation to now. I have a small warehouse, which it's tight, can fit six vehicles. Wow, you can fit six. So I can fit six. You've actually been there, so you know yeah. for people to visualize it, you can um, you can stack four on an angle on okay. the left-hand side. You can stack four on an angle for on the left-hand side and then put two in stacked. Smart. Right, yeah. long ways, right? Smart. Yeah, so you, that's how you can fit six. So I'm like, yeah. I only have one. I have five extra. Yeah. What do I do? And that's where I kicked up cla- collecting classic four wheel drives. Yeah. And that's where like it just started hitting Clicked. a whole new level. Yeah. yeah. 81 CJ7. Then I had the, the CJ8. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. That, so I, that I, I, oh, that thing was a concourse restoration. Yeah. So yeah. that was. Because again, I hadn't done a restoration on on a vehicle since like 2010, 2012. Yeah. So I got the CJ8 Scrambler, which was a great, yeah. you know, I don't want to call it a donor vehicle because it was in better condition than donor vehicle. But I I swapped out the entire powertrain. Yeah. It was a hundred point concourse restoration. So I had the CJ7, the CJ8. Jason was looking to get rid of the CJ5 and move on from that. So I picked up the CJ5. Right when I finished the CJ8 restoration, I picked up the CJ5, started on the mm-hmm. CJ5, and then Defender. I imported oh, the Defender right. yeah, 110. Yeah, so I yeah. imported I I started doing, which is an interesting, you know, again, for our listeners, I've talked about that car before, but it's really interesting. I ended up with that specific, I wanted to get a Defender 110. Right, a, a classic Defender one time and do a restoration on that. And I started doing a lot of research and I found these things called Santanas. Yeah. And the more and more research I did, there wasn't a lot out there. Uh, the more and more research I did, I realized that I had these Santanas were actually better built. So at this time, Land Rover had a, a an agreement with a company called Santana for them to build knockdown kits, right, of their vehicles. So they would, in Solly Hole, they would build these kits ship them down to um, Linaire, Spain, and this company, Santana, would assemble them. Uh, and they were called Land Rover Santanas. They were essentially the exact same as a solid right. hill built, no different. What ended up happening was Santana's licensing agreement allowed them to sell not only in Spain and a couple other you know Eastern European countries, but mostly all to the third world, mm-hmm. South America. Um, uh, so a lot of like I don't want to say third world countries because yeah, we but, don't really have third world countries anymore. But yeah. into a lot of harsher environments. Yeah. yeah, yeah, South America, Africa, yeah. where the demands on these vehicles were, I mean, yeah. massive. So what Santana ended up doing was actually modifying because Santana was actually a agricultural manufacturing company, right? That ended up starting to build Land Rovers, and they ended up modifying these Land Rovers and building them to be more higher quality and more resilient 
than the Solihill built Relay yeah. Rovers, right? Yeah. So, and I started going down this rabbit hole and you could import them relatively inexpensive, you know, so I ended up importing one and doing a full restoration on that. And trust me, there's a lot of, you know, purist Land Rover listeners out there that are sitting there like cursing me right now. I don't care what anybody else says. <laughs> a Spanish built, Linares built, Santana built Land Rover is way way better built and higher quality and more reliable than a Solihill built Land Rover will ever be. And I will just leave it at that. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, something interesting that you taught me uh, last time I I saw you was you were at one point the uh, premier U.S. Uh, owner of those badges too, right? Didn't yes, you get all those badges? I did. So I, I had actually, <laughs> so the, the Land Rover Santana aluminum badges, um, there was a guy in Spain that was manufacturing them and I needed one for this restoration. And the guy was like, yeah, you can buy one, but for to buy one and then send just one to the States is going to be like insane amounts of money. Yeah. So I was like, well, what if I bought a whole bunch of them? Will you give me a price break, right? He give me a price break on these badges, right? These aluminum emblems, and I'll buy a whole bunch of them from you. And, you know, the shipping is not that much more and it'll make right. sense. So I ended up buying like a ton of these things from this guy. <laughs> and I ended up being the only one in the US that had these things. And I I sold them on eBay for like crazy money for I actually sure. I think I think I still have one or two left up on eBay available. That's amazing. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, that, it's funny you bring up those emblems. Um, That's really fun. 81 CJ7, uh-huh. uh, 81 CJ8, 65 CJ5A Mark IV Tuxedo Park, uh, 87 Land Rover Santana, which is called a 2500 DL, but it's really a 110. I ended up with the Wagoneer. So yeah. I've talked about this on the podcast before, but uh, my cars have an agent and I do a lot of production work. I've done, you know, if you look at ads from Arnett, Sunglasses, Ralph Lauren, Victoria's Secret, Vineyard Vines, a couple other designers, my cars are in those ads, yeah. right? And they're represented by my um, agent. So my agent calls me at some point... And he's like, hey, man, he goes, I need a white Grand Wagoneer or Wagoneer, whatever, the, just the wooded side. I need yeah. a white one. And I already have three engagements booked for the Christmas season. And keep in mind, the Christmas season, you know, shoots at the end of the summer, like July, August sure. for, you know, yeah. to be released. So I was like, well, is there good money in this? Yeah, and right. It's like. He's like, yeah, man. I was like, all right. What if I buy one for you? He's like, you do that for me? So I went and bought that Wagoneer. And I bought that from a guy in Arkansas who completely misrepresented every aspect of it. Right? Yeah. And that's the first time I've gotten really hoodwinked on buying a car site unseen where I asked all the right questions. I was buying at this point, I've been buying almost all my cars sight unseen without driving them. Sure. I asked all the right. And this guy just straight up lied to me, like lied, like, Oh no, the car is perfect. Yeah. I will say the body was perfect. It was, the body was perfect. It was excellent. The interior is immaculate. The glass is all perfect. It runs like a top. Yeah. Okay. Gets off the transport truck, right? We can't even start the thing. Really? Not only is the windshield 
cracked from end to end. Jeez. Right. Yeah. And keep in mind, there was a bill of lading and there was an inspection when the trucker picked it up. Yeah. He had noted it was cracked. Yeah. Okay. Um, we couldn't even get the thing started. Right. We couldn't even get the thing. And then finally I ended up like taking the air cleaner off, jamming a bunch of starter yeah. fluid in there <laughs> As we did, and yeah. like putting the battery pack on it. It finally turned over like yeah. after to get it off the trailer, like yeah. after like an hour of us tinkering with it, the dash was cracked. Mm. The, it just like, I, it, the guy completely yeah. misrepresented this thing. Yeah. I didn't pay a ton for it. Sure. But like, I also am obsessive compulsive and everything has to be perfect. Yeah. And so now I'm on a time constraint. Mm-hmm. So I have this car. It is not running. Mm-hmm. Right. None of the gauges are working by the way, either. Yeah. Right. It's not running. Cosmetically. I cannot use this for these shoots. Yeah. Right? These, I, I think at that time I had Victoria's secret, Ralph Warren and something else lined up. And I have a shoot in like, two or three weeks. Yeah. Right. I've, I've promised this to my agent and my mechanic came through. He rebuilt the entire top end of the uh, engine. Fortunately, the, the best interior repair guy in, you know, central New Jersey happens to be one of my neighbors right? at the beach. Wow. Right. So he took, he got the dash. It needed a new steering wheel. I put a new steering wheel on yeah. it. I needed some power window motors, right? I uh, brought it to my powder coater to refinish the wheels, brought it to our, our friend Mike at Evolution Auto Spa to detail the thing. Nice. And I got a new windshield, which by the way, um, yeah, finding somebody to replace a windshield on a 1982 Jeep Wagoneer is not the easiest thing in the Interesting. world. Interesting. Because yeah. they they have a gasket and it's it the uh, way it's old school, so yeah. you can't just call Safe Light. Right, Safe Light's like, yeah, I have the I have the I can get the glass, yeah, but I can't get the gasket. And none yeah. of our technicians are trained. Yeah, they're they're trained to like you know loosen up adhesive, remove trim, loosen up adhesive, right? Put uh, new adhesive down, put the glass down, and put trim back on. Like right. they're not trained to do gaskets, yeah. windshields that have gaskets. Yeah. So I ended up having to find like an old school guy to do the windshield. Got it done in time for the first shoot, which actually was Victoria's Secret. That's a whole nother story, right? That was, <laughs> I thought, we're not going to tell that That's one on air. Podcast. Yeah. That's a different <laughs> podcast, right? And it's not what our listeners think either. It's the exact opposite. <laughs> so, hey, if you, if any of our listeners out there happen to be in a Victoria's Secret uh, location or a retail store this past winter during the holiday season, and uh, you saw the models on a white Jeep Wagoneer Limited, that was my Jeep Wagoneer Limited. Nice. Right? Yeah. So, and then what else? So at that point, I had filled, I'd filled the garage. Yeah. And the market was like the classic car market. Obviously, we've seen a transformation in sure. 2023. Sure. But in 2022, yeah. it was hot, man. Yeah. It was hot. So I just literally, you know, I, through my past experiences, I knew when things get hot, mm-hmm. you got to strike while the iron's hot. Yeah. I loved all these vehicles, but I was like, I got to start, you know, just... Yeah. Moving them on into the market. I was in the in the chips on all of them. I was in the yeah. money on all of them. So I just started yeah. unloading them. I unloaded the 81 CJ8, which t- still to this day, I completely regret. Yeah. I unloaded the CJ5A uh, Tuxedo Park Mark IV, which is how you and I met. 
Yep. Uh, because I had a bad experience uh, with a digital auction platform uh, on that CJ8. Though the CJ8 was one of the top sales last year, right? For oh. CJ8s, yeah. the experience was was horrid, absolutely yeah. horrible on that. So I was looking for new options. That's how I found 4B Exchange, how I nice. ended up meeting you guys. Yeah, right uh, got rid of the Land Rover. Again, that was actually, believe it or not, a, a, another dumpster fire. I went back to that original digital uh, yeah. auction platform. That was a complete dumpster fire. And greatly enough, the auction was failed and ended up two of the higher bidders ended up reaching out to me and we ended up putting together a deal and I ended up selling that to one of those high bidders. It didn't sell in the auction, but ended up selling to one of those high bidders. I I finished all the work on the Wagoneer, got it to a really good place. Like it was running like a top. It looked like a million bucks. It was cosmetically, it was good. Mechanically, it was good. It was rock solid and ended up selling that to a guy in Michigan. That guy actually came through Forby, right? Um, Yeah. 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 So that guy ended up Seeing it on Forby Exchange, because you guys helped me uh, advertise it, and I priced it under the market Yeah. at that time, because things were starting to soften up, and I'd underestimated the demand hmm. for those things, priced it under the market. That was the last one I had gotten rid of. This is about a, an eight-month period of time where I'm unloading these cars, Yeah. and that guy reached out to me. I had tons of people reaching out to me, and it ended up selling for more than I was asking for it. Nice. Yeah, you know, so yeah, I ended up getting more than I, well, I asked. Yeah. But, you know what it is? You know, it was I underpriced it. Learned a good lesson there. Underpriced the market, get a lot of eyes on it, and people will pay what it's worth. Yeah. Right. So move ended up moving that along. So now I had my garage was empty except for my 81 CJ7. And I ended up building out a really cool like chill area in the garage, right? In yeah. the jam pad. Yeah. Um and I just was like, everything I buy from here on out, the market softening up is just going to be a steal. Yeah. And I came across a 82 Jeep J10 yeah. uh, with 65,000 original miles, again, it's, out of Arkansas, right? It's the long bed, right? It's the long bed, the 258 inline six, 258 to a T177 into an NP205 or 208 transfer yeah. case. Um, 65,000 original miles, legit 65,000 original miles, right? Documented, legit 65,000. This thing was immaculate. I bought it from a guy who needed some money down in Arkansas. I don't know how I tripped over it. Bought it for an absolute song. But again, I don't know what's up with people in Arkansas. (laughs) I asked all the right questions. And the guy, I will say, again... down in Arkansas, you all are a bunch of liars. Bunch of liars, right? <laughs> right? So by the time the thing came off the truck, running like a top, but there was some, I don't want to say body damage, but there was, at some point, somebody had spilled brake cleaner on the side of it. Yeah. yeah. So, and if anybody knows when you br- spill brake cleaner on paint, it just erodes it away. Yeah. yeah. Boom. So like, but again, the guy through his, when having his pictures taken and, yeah. you know, did not disclose any of this. The windshield was cracked. Uh, it was a lot of stuff that like, I asked all the right questions, sure. but like, again, the guy completely didn't disclose it. When I asked, he would li- like, you know, he lied about it. Like, yeah. I mean, it was like, whatever. Yeah. In the end, I didn't pay much for it. Right. It was running like a top. It looked yeah. like a million bucks. Ironically, it's at the body shop right now, getting the bed lined, it has the original brush guard that's getting painted. Oh, cool. Bumper's yeah. getting painted, and I'm getting that fixed. The, the bumpers uh, are painted? 
So the rear bumper is is white. It is a factory upgrade. Cool. Uh, it's the tow bumper, and the uh, front bumper is chrome. It has yeah. the uh, the chrome wheels, like the wagon wheels, and yeah. it has the factory brush guard. Yeah. So I'm having the rear bumper painted, mm-hmm. the factory brush guard painted, okay. and the I'm having the bed bedlined, the inside of the bed bedlined. Yeah. All white. So it's going to be nice. like baby blue and white. Of course it is. Blue yes, of course. What? Again, back to white. I don't know why. I'm like the Santana like, also? But yeah. <laughs> oh, that's right. The Santana was blue and I did all white accents, right? Yeah. So me yeah. with blue and white accent cars. I don't know. Hey, it looks good. You know? It does look sharp. Nobody really does it. You know, yeah. it's, it's cool. Yeah. So, uh, and then I did the interior. I did a suede headliner with yeah. uh, like plaid, uh, blue visors. We did the thick panels. The interior is all original and yeah. it's the original bench. It looks that's awesome. Like the day it came out of the showroom. Yeah. Had some custom shift knobs made by a guy up in Rochester, New York that makes custom shift knobs. Like yeah. just cool little stuff. Yeah. So, right now, after all this long winded story of getting you from when I was. Every car I had from when I was 17 to 42, I am back down to technically three cars, right? The 81 CJ7, right? Which I've had since about 2010, 82 Jeep J10, and a 2023 Toyota TRD Pro 4Runner in Solar Octane. And there is something that we did just order. So my cousin who had the the Jeep dealership, Uh right? Sold that, ended up having a Lexus dealership for a period of time, and okay. then now has a Ford dealership. Cool. So if anybody out there knows what just opened up, you know, not that long ago was the window to order Broncos, and they released the Heritage Edition this year. So through my cousin, we just ordered my wife. Uh, again, my wife who gets up every day and walks 20 feet out to our detached garage where she has a built out built out office right doesn't have any need for this but in my infinite wisdom i decided that my wife needs her own car again right right because she hasn't had her own car uh so we ordered her a two-door bronco heritage gosh that's amazing there's about a three percent chance it actually gets built but whatever if it does (laughs) like you know We'll end up with that. So we'll yeah. be back to four eventually if that gets built. That's and that's the story from 17 years old to 42 <laughs> years old. All the cars I've had, I didn't count, but there were a whole lot in there, man. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, it's a good run through of your history too, right? Like it's it's great. And a good theme of your podcast too is uh, hearing people's stories through through the the cars that they run through. So I appreciate you taking me through that. I think, you know, you were getting toward it to it toward that end there. One of the cool things is not the volume of of the cars that you're going through now, but it's the the quality. And you've really found and taken the time to find, you know, again, like the guy in Spain with the emblems or, you know, the custom knobs out in New York. You know, it's it's these people who love what they do. And that comes through in the details of the cars that you build and, and who you've attracted and worked through. And I know you've even helped to connect other folks with that network as well, which is amazing. And I'm definitely going to tap you for the upholstery guy at some point, but. Oh, my, my upholsterers are like my biggest secret. Like, and I'll tell you, like they're, they're two brothers and they're our, our local car guys know who they are. Cause yeah. obviously finding a, upholsterers is difficult, right? Insane. It's a dying art. These guys are younger guys. Oh. They're actually, they might be a little younger than I am or about the same age, right? They took the business over from their father, but we live in a coastal um, community where 
boat upholstery, marine upholstery mm-hmm. is popular. So anybody that was doing automotive upholstery yeah. just converted to marine and doesn't right. do any automotive anymore. So, and these guys are true artisans. They yeah. are amazing. I mean, they did like five interiors for me last year, full, uh, full interiors, just finished up another one. One car we didn't talk about, which uh, technically isn't mine. I just built a, um, an 85 CJ seven. It was a bespoke custom build for a friend of mine. My buddy, just built a beautiful, beautiful home right on the water in our beach town. And I mean, just absolutely immaculate home. And he came to me last summer actually and said, Hey man, like I got this house, house is finally done. Like I want a cool Jeep. Like, will you sell that orange 81 CJ seven? I was like, nah, man, he's like, well, do you have anything else? I, at that time I had a, I like the grand migraine, but nothing he was interested in. Yeah. So he's like, you know, I really want like a custom build. So I referred him to a couple builders, you know, custom builders out there. Uh, I won't name names, but like, you know, guys that build investment yeah. quality yeah. vehicles, yeah. right? So I referred him to a game, a couple of names. He comes back to me uh, a couple of weeks later. He goes, Hey man, do you know that like, that there's like a, a wait for the, like for a custom <laughs> build that like, you know, it's like a year or two. And like, it's like over a hundred grand. Yeah. I go, yeah, dude, what did you expect? Right. Yeah. You you just want like a custom built vehicle, like tomorrow. Yeah. And you want yeah. it for like, you know, like a reasonable, no, that's like not how it works. Right. Yeah. He's like, yeah, that's, that's not going to work for me. He goes, he goes, the money, it's not that big of a deal. It's the time. Like I, right. I like, I want this thing like sooner than I want it for next summer. Right? Yeah. Right. Meaning right now, like yeah. right now. This is last, the end of last summer. Okay. I was like, bro, are you serious? Like, you think you're going to get a custom build? And like, now at this point, it's like six months, right? Yeah. You think you're going to find somebody that's going to source of source the vehicle, right? has all the relationships to get the thing built, right? Mechanical uh, refurbishment, you yeah. know, a, a full exterior, you know, get the body done, the interior, all the electronics, everything. Like, you're out of your gourd. Right. Yeah. He's like, I was like, you're not going to find anybody that, that can do it. And if you do, it's going to cost you more than one of the custom yeah. builders. Right. 100%, like, yeah. But nobody's going to agree to that timeline anyway. He goes, but I know you can do it. <laughs> but then he kind of like challenged me. Yeah. yeah like, he knows. <laughs> but I build all these things for myself. Right. Yeah. Right. Like, you know, I don't do it for anybody else, but this is a friend. And it's not like he's asking me to do a scout or a Land Rover or sure. a, an FJ or something. Oh, by the way, I had an FJ at some point too in there. And uh, we forgot to talk about oh, that. Uh, I had an FJ 40, a tan FJ 40 at one point. Oh, that's right. When, that's I, right. when I lived in Red Bank, I had an yeah. FJ 40 when I had like all those, you know, in that condo building where I had like all those spots where I convinced the the yeah. property management company to rent me more. There was an FJ 40 in there at some point. Well, I forgot yeah. to talk there about that. Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's always one you forget. Yeah. So I just finished building an 85 CJ7. So long story short is my buddy approached me. He's like, dude, I'll make it worth your while, you know, if you can do it on a, a decent timeline. And I, I was like, whatever, man, I had the time over the summer. Do I work for myself? Like, you know, M&A in the automotive space is really dried up. So, you know, I'm doing other fun things. And yeah. and I was like, yeah, I got the time. No problem. So I actually just did a full bespoke 
build for him and it's it, it I, we just finished it actually yeah. i just delivered the car to him like last week it oh, is wow. sick dude yeah. it is sick it's a i haven't posted any pictures out there but the interior is ridiculous it's yeah. like gray marine vinyl with orange uh diamond uh stitching with orange uh piping oh i did see that the pictures yeah oh yeah, yeah. and it has like an, we did a we did the dash pad we did the visors the seats Oof. the center console like it it's probably Indeed. honestly this one of the sickest interiors i've ever done it's amazing um we used a really rare color amc color a blue color it was uh it was a fun build uh the body work was a lot more than we ever expected really? because oh man so i sourced it because of the powertrain the body was solid at the yeah. time we thought of course yeah. right body was solid it had a 4.2 liter or the the 4.2 liter 258 in line six into a t176 into a dana 300 that had a novak twin stick conversion on it so it was like the powertrain was yeah was like amazing Spot, you, know? Yeah. you know the original amc 20 dana 30 axle like you know and it was like it didn't have a lot of miles on it by the time the, we took the interior out and the body guy started dis- disassembling it oh my lord it wasn't a ton of of rot, right? Yeah. But it was a lot of little stuff. Yeah. Which actually, it would have been better if it was like right. bigger areas, like Actions. floor pans yeah. or something like that, where you could do the entire floor pan, right? right? It was just like you know, common areas underneath the uh, roll bars, right? right? We wouldn't have known that until right. we pulled the roll bars off, and right. it was all rotted under there. there. Yeah. But there's a body mountainer there, so there's right. like the stroke. And then, like under the seats in certain areas, there were like little, little tiny holes, right? Yeah. But again, like in some of the floor pants, so it all had to be replaced. One of the rockers had to be done. Mm-hmm. So I'll put it to you this way: we were a lot over budget, on the <laughs> body, right? What we budgeted for body work and what body work uh, came out to be was actually about double. Yeah. In the end, he got a absolutely immaculate, custom built. 81 CJ7. It looks insane. It's beautiful. It's immaculate. It looks like it just rolled out of the showroom. Yes, we were over budget, but he got it before yeah. the summer, right? So yeah. he has it in his yeah, house right time. now. He can drive it yeah. today. He got it actually in, let's see here. We bought it the last week of September. So October, November, December, January, February, March, April, five, six, seven months, right? That's so yeah. it took seven months. You know, Amazing there. And yep. In the end, and it cost him a lot less than if he had, oh, sure. even after what he took care of me with, like, sure. it cost him a, a ton less yeah. So than it would have cost to have a custom builder do it. Right. It's amazing. So, that, yeah. that's that yeah. that's amazing well thank you for uh for walking us through that i know listeners like myself i mean i learned a ton i know i, I like to think i know a good chunk about you but uh just learned a ton about your story so no listeners like me are excited to get that background and i think you just approach the industry from a really unique perspective and have an extremely knowledgeable you know foundation of of jeeps and of uh, toyotas and you know that's invaluable right that comes through in the podcast but you also bring that business expertise into it as well and just a very fascinating perspective so always love picking your brain and hearing those pieces but no we really uh we really appreciate that and thanks for opening up 
And I and I want to thank you for having me as a guest on my podcast <laughs> today. Uh, you know, I hope the listeners found this interesting. Brian, I can't thank you enough for for being the host today, for playing host. I really appreciate it. And I hope the the listeners they got me out of my comfort zone. And I hope you all out there enjoyed this. Uh, this is our last episode. Uh, this is episode twelve of season two. Season three will be dropping again. We'll go hiatus uh, over the summer, where I will elevate the listening experience, continue to work on creating a better listening experience and and elevating the podcast as a whole, recording new episodes, and we'll have new episodes drop again uh, throughout October, November, and December of this year. Uh, So stay tuned for season three. We're going to keep on rocking, man, with season three. A couple teasers here. Season three is going to be just like season one was just kind of me just figuring out booking any guests I could get my hands on and and figuring out what worked, what didn't work. And then season two was really focused on what the listeners wanted, uh, some listener requests, uh, all about community and also about technology and and products, right? Season three, I am planning on dedicating to the listeners and almost every topic and guests will be a listener request. So everybody out there, do me a favor. If there is a guest that you want to hear speak, if there is a topic that you want to hear about, DM me on Instagram at classic four by four podcast. Shoot me an email through our website, classic four by four.com. Make those requests. I appreciate those requests. I might not be able to accommodate everyone. Uh, so for that, I apologize, but please send those requests in because I am going to build season three around the listeners and what they want to hear, not only what, but who they want to listen to. So that's what we're going to do for season three. We'll also, we might have a uh, a hiatus bonus episode at some point in between season two and season three, kind of like what we did uh, in between season one and season two, where we just had a, a special unannounced dropped uh, hiatus bonus episode. We may have have something like that. I might have somebody already scheduled for that, and it might be something rather interesting. Uh, and from people that you know, uh, you guys have heard from in the past that have brought some really interesting value to the table. So that might might not be scheduled. There may may not be a hiatus bonus episode uh, over the summer in between season two and season three. But stay tuned. Uh, follow us on Instagram. Check out our website, classic4x4.com. And again, to all our listeners out there and also all of our guests and all of our supporters, thank you for all of your support. And thank you for uh, making the Classic 4x4 podcast a a huge success. And we will continue uh, season after season and elevate the listener experience and elevate the podcast as much as I possibly can as time allows. Brian, thanks a lot, man. Thank you, Chris. Appreciate you. Rock on, brother.